You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Riley doesn't shoot it. Marner does. It's redirected. They score. A shot taken, scores! Angle got the return pass. Leaps again and over the line. They score! Zach Aston Reese on a quick up from Giordano. And it is 5-1. to one. All right, welcome into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tishari and Mike DiStefano with you. We're going to have our pal Mike Johnson join us in the next five minutes. Devontae Smith-Pelly, who rocked it on the broadcast last night as well, will join us in the 1 o'clock hour to unpack what was an eventful weekend in Leafs Nation. Not a one-game weekend. We have to unpack mm-hmm. right now, A.B., a two-game weekend. And I feel like unpack is the word to use because a very forgettable... <laughs> O-Dog called it a throw-the-tape-away uh, game versus the Senators on yeah. Friday night. 6-2 to two loss there. Uh, a, a game in which a whole bunch of drama ensued pregame when it came to Matt Murray, supposed to be the starter. Samsonov starts. And then last night, it was Samsonov between the pipes again. Murray apparently dealing with an ankle injury of sorts. And we'll go through all the injuries for you in just a moment. But big, big win for them last night. Fun little Sunday afternoon type of vibe at Scotiabank. And they pick up a 5-1 victory over the Capitals. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a good bounce back performance. Like, Friday was rough for a lot of people. Like, yeah. <laughs> Friday was a rough one. Samsonov hit, finally lost in regulation on home ice for the first time all season. So that streak, I guess, uh, was, was busted. They lost to the Ottawa Senators, a team in which you, you got to beat. You know, you, you got to go in there. You got to beat the teams that you should. Um, especially when you're in a bit of a, a you know a race ish here to at least establish home ice, but they responded well, and, and I think that you know you look at the the day as a whole celebrating John Tavares, JT1K was a little hashtag so good, was out so there. Good. Yeah, I thought that it was great, and and you know you could tell kind of right from the jump it seemed like that team came ready to play. They came to avenge that loss from Friday night, and you know Samsonov was was definitely on his A game, and then you felt that the rest of the team kind of you know played a lot better. TJ Brody returned for that game. As well, that gave them a bit of a spark. Notably, Morgan Riley finally got off the Schneid. I mean, I don't think I've seen a player score this year and exude so much relief that oh, the puck gosh. finally went into the back of the net after coming off his stick. Just a- absolute hands in the air, head up to the skies, and just like a finally, finally, I have scored a goal. And uh, which is funny because I guess the day before he was chatting with the Easter Seals kids, they were having a little skate together, and they said, "Hey, buds, when are you gonna put one in the back of the net? It's we're in, uh, we're we're almost at February. You've yet to score." And he he said tomorrow, and it was funny after the game. He said it was more of a hopeful guess, but yeah. glad I could you know stick to. He that was promise. hilarious last night. He <laughs> had the chirps going for the media too. Like yeah, they were asking more hard hitting questions than you guys were when it comes to Jimmy scoring. He was funny yesterday. Uh, and it was great to see him, like you said, just just the relief on his face. Yeah. And 
It just felt like a special night last night at Scotiabank with John Tavares having like 70 people in the building celebrating his thousandth game. So sweet to see his his oldest son looks exactly like him. Yeah, hey? he it's mini John Tavares with chubby cheeks. It's the it's the <laughs> sweetest thing that I've ever seen, and it was it was uh, nice having his family and his wife out there. It, it, and and uh, you know what else I liked? Respect the Leafs for keeping a brief. They had the chairs out, but nobody yeah. really needed the chairs. Like I, sometimes they could, like remember Montreal at the beginning of the year when the puck was dropped at like seven thirty-five as oh. a result of the pregame ceremony, yes. and everybody was was kind of roasting it. They well, kept it brief, they kept it special, and it was good. Yeah, yeah, that Montreal one was ridiculous. It took them like forty-eight seconds per player in Montreal. They had to walk the entire walkway, and then they would skate out like eight seconds after their name was announced. Like it was just ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, no, it was a nice ceremony that the, the Leafs put on to, to honor John Tavares. I thought even having the Islanders patch on the one side was a nice little touch. Like clearly, he spent most of his career and you know started his campaign to a thousand games with that organization. So it was nice to see the Maple Leafs also acknowledge that and kind of let him have that patch on the side. And then had a couple of his former teammates that he had with on Long Island, you know, chime in and talk about him in his career and show him some love. So the, the whole thing, it was pretty short and sweet, but you're right. It was, it was good. And, and, you know, I guess it, whether or not it, it put them in good spirits to, to win the game. I mean, I thought they, they played a rather good game, like a, a pretty complete game from start to finish, which hasn't necessarily been the case recently a whole lot. Usually there's at least one period where it's a complete dud, but I thought they played, at least a 55-minute hockey game. Yeah, it was a little bit of a sleepy first, but they were definitely into it by the time the second came around. And you're right in saying there wasn't one really down period yeah. like there has been lately. Okay, this is the recap of, of all the moves that were made roster-wise over the weekend before we bring in uh, our hockey analyst, Mike Johnson. So they recalled Joseph Wall from the Toronto Marlies on an emergency basis. It's worth noting that Joseph Wall uh, is an all-star in the AHL, so I think he's supposed to go to all-star weekend uh, in the A this weekend. Bobby McMahon was loaned to the Marlies. Uh, Brody was activated ahead of that game versus the Capitals, and Austin Matthews was placed on IR, not LTIR. And then Sheldon Keefe provided some some clarity on what's going on with Matt Murray, saying that it's an ankle situation. He called it a flare-up. Uh, doesn't expect it to be a long-term issue, but I'm sure we'll hear more about that in the coming days. And, and with that, let's bring the guy that had a pretty big night last night, MJ, from compliments from the great one. You were dodging pucks. You had like one of your best outfits of the season in the all black underneath. <laughs> Very good, MJ. All around good night for you. Well, I don't even know where to begin, JT, with that effusive phrase. Am I happier that Gretzky said I was a good player? Because he never really <laughs> told me that when I played. So I don't know <laughs> got a little bit of selective memory, but um, I appreciate the outfit shout out. Even my daughter's like, well, dad, you look good, but you can't wear that too many times. I'm like, okay, well, I appreciate that. Then we'll put that one away. But, um, and yes, the matrix dodging of the puck is probably what I'm most pleased with. Cause that would have, that could have left a mark <laughs> that one. So um, I was happy not to get clipped late in the game. My hands in my pockets. Like I'm, I'm paying attention, but I'm just kind of chatting and the puck almost got me right in the forehead. So um, eventful night, but nothing that wasn't uh Uneventful for John Tavares as well. I mean, obviously, the night was his from the start to the finish. And I think it's just so predictable. Shouldn't be taken for granted that on a night where it'd be easy to get kind of lost in the emotion of the Mm -hmm. event and the night. But he went out and played like exactly how he always plays. Steady, solid, make plays, pick up points, lead his team. 
you know, just like another night, even though it clearly wasn't just another night for him. Uh, but we shouldn't be surprised because that's kind of what he always does. Oh, absolutely. I-, I thought it was funny, too. After the game, they asked him, like, oh, like, how was it? I think Mar- Masters asked him after the game. He's like, oh, you know, watching the-, the video montage, he's like, I was so excited, so happy. I'm like, dude, your face didn't even make a smirk. <laughs> let alone a Were smile. you now? Like, Were like, you really? Couldn't tell. Couldn't tell there, pal. But you're right. Like, that's just, that's that's John Tavares. And um, Thousandth game last night, like I said, picked up a, a-, a couple of assists. Um, and I feel like he's been playing some really solid hockey of late. Like, Johnny, would you say that maybe this is the best that we've seen JT play in the last two, three years since his first season in Toronto? Um, I don't know. I mean, some of that might be recency bias. Like, he's mm. playing very well. But I guess, like, he always plays very well. You know what I mean? Like, he's been the, the, the picture of consistency really since he's arrived. You know, he just goes out there and he... The first year was tremendous, whatever he had, the 47 goals or whatever he ended up with. But, you know, he's been a 35 to 40 goal scorer and a point-a-game guy virtually the entire time with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I think is exactly what they were hoping that he would be in behind Austin Matthews. But you do like the fact that when Austin Matthews is not available, like you have a guy who is comfortable in being the lead guy, has been that for most of his career, has produced um, commensurate with that responsibility for large portions of his career. So it's not like you're asking him to do something he's not done a whole bunch. And, uh, and then the leadership factor as well. So um, it's a luxury to at least have that he's able to step in with Austin out and play well um, and, and kind of keep his team on track until everyone gets back and healthy. Well, you get to stand between the benches. You have a better look at it than anybody else. Looks mm-hmm. pretty different without Austin Matthews out there. How different is it just, just being that close? How much do you notice like the loss of Austin Matthews? I mean, you notice it a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, you're taking, well, the best player in the world last year and taking him out of the lineup. Every lineup's going to look a little bit worse off. Um, you know, I, I think actually Kirkwood played pretty well last night as a second-line center, but he's not Austin Matthews. And he's not even, like, you know, that's not a slight. Nobody's Austin Matthews. So, um, you know, just it, it tightens the margins the Leafs get to play with, right? When they're at their best, everybody healthy. There's a, their roster is good enough, deep enough that they don't have to be absolutely A-plus game to win. Like, they can win with the B game, the B-minus game, because they have so many different ways that they can get results. I think when you take Austin out, now you can't get away with a B-minus game. Like, everyone kind of has to get to the B-plus level or maybe higher uh, because he's not around. So, yeah, it's really different. Not nearly as good, not nearly as dangerous. Matchups get all different. Possession, defense, face-offs, power play, you name it. Even though historically, look at the numbers, the Leafs are almost exactly the same with Austin Matthews as without him in the lineup. Um, yeah, it, it's really different. But if you're ever going to pick three weeks for him to be off, these are the three weeks, right? Yeah. Ottawa, Washington, Boston, Chicago, Columbus, Columbus. That's what he would miss if he misses three weeks. And maybe he might come back even healthier, provided that his knee you know, ends up feeling fine. But whatever else was bugging him, that should probably be pretty close to be gone as well because he's going to have a full three weeks off to rest, rehabilitate, not just the knee, but whatever else ailing him, and be about as healthy as he's been in a long time for the stress drive. Uh, well, I mean, let's not beat around the bush then. We're on the you know conversation of injuries, and Friday night was an eventful night. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, Sunday a lot of fun. Friday, not so much. Matt yeah. Murray kind of pulls the pin after warm-up. Sansonov uh, has to make the start there. It, it didn't go so well. I mean, what was your reaction to hearing that Matt Murray was unable to go again against his former team? 
So, I mean, obviously I'm primarily disappointed for Matt Murray. Like, you know, it's not like he doesn't want to be healthy, right? He wants mm-hmm. to play. Um, but the, 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 the question marks that are raised for me are, um, you know, like he apparently has been practicing all the game, all the days that he was not playing, yeah. right? As you, as you would have to. And so if you're good enough to practice, um, like how is it that like, you've been practicing for, what, I guess 10 days really since he's kind of played, and – and then when it finally comes time to play, you can't? Like, that's the part that's a little bit was kind of, I don't know, surprising or off-putting or whatever. You know, like, if you're hurt enough that it might flare up, then maybe just take the time off the practice. Like, get healthy when you're not playing. Yeah. But he, he, he plays through all the practices, and then he gets to the part where he actually has to play. And now he's not able to go. And, like, I'm, and let alone what that, you know, puts Samson off in a really tough spot. Samson off was probably – uh, mentally looking forward to a day off and thinking he was going to get one and has earned one. And, and then he goes out and, and has got a play and doesn't play well. So um, it's frustrating for Murray. It's frustrating for the Leafs. Um, you know, on some level, I don't know, the teammates were like, you know, we thought he was good and he's not. It might be frustrating there. And, and I guess what it brings up, though, and I don't even know if you can fault Matt Murray for this, but can you count on Matt Murray being healthy? Yeah, yeah I, I just I just don't know. Can you count on him being healthy um, the rest of the year? Like he wants to be, he's going to work hard to be, but can you rely on him being that? I just don't I just don't know that you can because um, you know history has shown us that he's had a really hard time staying healthy. Do you think that's a question that will need to be answered by the trade deadline, or do you think that, regardless, that's something that the Maple Leafs, even if he's not healthy, they're going to have to deal with that situation internally? They don't want to deal with it, A.B. That's the thing, right? Like, they don't want to have to deal with it. They want to just be like, no, no, he, you know, he's going to be good. Like, we believe he's going to be okay. <laughs> they don't want to waste assets or dollars or energy thinking, like, do we need a third goalie? Do we need another guy in case this guy's not hurt, like, in case this guy's not able to go? Now, if he's not able to go, like, how bad would it be if you get to the playoffs and you don't have both goalies? Um, it probably wouldn't be the end of the, you know, it's not the end of the world because Samsonov presumably would be healthy and if he plays well enough, he's just playing every game anyways. But um, if they, they don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't know if it's like put your head in the sand kind of thing, but they don't want to deal with that question you just asked because they, they're just hoping that I guess in three, four weeks he plays, he gets healthy. And then when it comes time to play towards the playoffs, towards the trade deadline, I guess, primarily, he's healthy for those three weeks, his body responds, and they can kind of they – don't, they don't go down that road. They, they, if they're going to make changes, they're going to acquire other players, there are other players to do other things, not be another goalie. Well, would you, if you were Kyle Dubas right now, or, or would you just have, have to kind of roll with the Joseph wall Samsonov thing? Like, could they even be thinking about it right now based on everything they want to acquire forward-wise and, and blue-line-wise? Yeah. At, at least, like, his American League numbers have looked pretty good. Like All-star. 13 or 14 and 1 with, like, a 9-28 save percentage in the American League. He's been solid since yeah. he came back from injury. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what, you, you can't ask any more out of his performance, although I will say this, like, just... Goaltenders are weird. I think Garrett Sparks, was he not the MVP of the American League one year? Yeah, he's still kicking it in the coast, too, I saw the other day. <laughs> right, so, but he's not kicking it in the year. NHL, though, JT. Right? No, no, so he is like, not. <laughs> so, you know, I, I guess careful before we just assume yeah. because he's been great in the AHL. Now, he may be. I'm not saying he's not going to, but I'm also not saying he is going to. We have to wait and see him play. 
Um, I have no idea. I've never seen him play. I don't watch a lot of Marley games, so I, I can't tell you. But um, I would say that right now they would not be strongly considering that. If anything, it's going to go getting a guy, a veteran guy who's on a minimum deal, and you, you have him around and you can put him on. What are, you know what I mean? Like just a, like an insurance policy that maybe just has experience. But that's it, something that will cost like nothing. You'll cost a 19th rounder. Like we're just going to bring him in to have him around. He might be considering that, but I think that would be about it because they just don't have the dollars or the assets to chase much else. We're chatting with Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. Uh, TJ Brody made his return last night, though, and um, you know, I thought he looked pretty good. thought that he settled the blue line, settled Morgan Riley. I thought that pairing together looked pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. And he just seems to round out the blue line when you look at him like first through third pair. Uh, I mean, how much – it's a simple question, but when you look at how this team has played the last little bit, I mean, TJ Brody in that lineup just makes his blue line just click, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, so much of that is, is, is slotting, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's getting everyone in the right pairs. Like, we know the Swedes together have been really good when they've been asked to play, like, kind of second, third pair of minutes and responsibilities. And, and they've crushed that role. Now, when Brody plays with Riley, you know, I think we saw Morgan Riley kind of get up and down the ice about as well as we've seen him in a mm-hmm. long time. Some of that's his own health. Some of that is, is, is PJ Brody kind of helping him get out of his own end. That's why it makes it work. Um, then you have, you know, Giordano and Hall. Like, these are the six defensemen they have with Mudd not coming back. When they're all healthy and they play together in the pairings we saw them last night and play well, they can be really good. But if you take any one of them out, like, you know, the strength is in their numbers and in their roles. If you start fiddling with that, they're not nearly as good as long as you let them go in that way. They're going to be fine. I thought it was like for a guy who hasn't played in a while, and I don't know if he's, you know, trusting his rib. He kind of had one contact practice. I thought T.J. Brody looked just very comfortable and, and kind of right in game timing in as much as game shape. Do you think that play that Morgan Riley scored last night, when when he you know jumped into the rush and went and scored, mm-hmm. do you think he would have made that with Lilligren or Hall as a defensive partner, yeah. or did it help? Oh, no, yeah. You think? I, I just oh, yeah. I, I look at Riley and like the fact that he hasn't scored this year, I'm almost second guessing and wondering maybe it has something to do with the fact that no. nothing does have trust. No, okay, I, I no. thought maybe that had something to do with it, but no, I don't think so. I mean, listen, I've watched Morgan Riley obviously very closely this year many times, and like. He's up the ice, and he's, he's chasing plays. And mm-hmm. what I don't think would have happened, and this is where T.J. Brody helps him, is that if you notice, Morgan Riley, before he scored that goal, actually led the rush. Like he had the zone entry yeah. himself. Yeah. I don't know if he gets those opportunities with different defensemen because they don't get the puck out of their own end quite as well. They don't break up the plays quite as well. So he doesn't have the chance to jump uh, as often as he does when he gets to play with T.J. because – TJ does a great job of, of breaking up plays and allowing him to get up the ice. But he tries. <laughs> Lilgren, Sandine, Hall, whoever. Like, he's been trying to go. He probably just hasn't had as many opportunities because he plays in his own end more when he's not with Brody. That's a good point. Okay, also with an absolute rip over the weekend was AB's guys, Pierre Engvall. Can, we, can I start calling him Big Play Pierre? I don't know why I want to call him Big Play Pierre after that. You know what? You night. can call him whatever you want. We're not awesome. going to correct you. But that is AB's guy, and he's been heating up lately. Have you liked uh-huh. the way the Leafs kind of bottom six has, has looked lately? Have you felt like uh, their depth pieces have stepped up, and him specifically? 
So it's interesting because I kind of asked this of Sheldon yesterday. I'm like, you know, you look at the numbers and like it, you, you can put together an ugly looking board with, you know, Kerfoot one and 12 and Anderson one and 10 and Engvall one and nine. It's like that bother. He's like, not really because, you know, we're not the way their team is built. They're not expecting their bottom six to do a lot of scoring. They know they can score and they want them to score. And when they do, they are so much better of a team mm-hmm. if they get anything sort of consistently from the from the bottom six. But if you look at the numbers kind of like on the whole for the year, which is like all you could do for bottom six guys, you can't be like, well, 10 games they haven't scored. Well, they're only going to score once every 10 games anyway. So, like, Engvall is on pace for what? 18 goals or something like that? Yeah. You know, Camp is supposed to score 12. Kerfoot's going to get 14. You know, like, like these guys are all going to kind of chip in around 10, which is what the Toronto Maple Leafs are needing. I think what they need out of them more than just kind of offense, which is I think is almost fine at this point, production-wise for their role, is as long as they can kind of like tilt the ice. Even if they don't score, like don't play in your own end, get in the offensive zone, draw penalties, like be a positive influence that sets the table for the guys that score all the time. And if they can do that, then that's exactly what they need their guys to do. And I think, um, you know, they, they've generally done a decent job of that. Doesn't that change come postseason, though, MJ? I thought we're going to have Devontae Smith-Pelly on in a little bit, and I thought he was good in our pregame yesterday in kind of reminding us the, the Nick Paul effect or the Devontae Smith-Pelly effect if you're the 2018 Washington Capitals. Like, the top guys, the way he put it was the top guys canceling one another out when it comes to a postseason and the, like the, the more third-line, fourth-line guys generally being the difference in, in the postseason. Um... Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I don't agree necessarily. Yeah, that's okay. Like, I mean, it's good when your third and fourth liners can be a difference maker. And Nick, and listen, Nick Paul, he scored like those massive goals in Game Seven. Like, you can't take that away, and that was the difference. But to me, the difference in the Leafs not winning in the last several years when they've had these elimination games. Check out their power play. Yeah. Check out their power play in those elimination games. They're like oh for thirty five. Oof. Like, oh, it'd be great if they had, you know, David Comp to score. Sure, that would be nice. What would also be nice is their best player scoring a power play goal. Yeah, that would so be like, great. Well, <laughs> while, while it is it is a team thing, and, and, and the depth guys will be remembered for every time they have a moment that is unexpected, and people will say, well, that's why they're there. That's the difference in the playoffs. And to me, it's, Nathan McKinnon is the difference in the playoffs, not not Alex Newhook, mm. right? Like, you know, it's nice when one of those guys does something, but... I think it's the big guys that drive it, and it's the big guys generally that have not allowed Toronto in those deciding games to win. Now, we'd like a Nick Paul moment if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, but um, yeah, so I don't know if it changes. I don't know if it changes. Um, so, but but also, Julia, it's also worth considering. I don't know if the top nine looks the same in the playoffs as it does today. Like, I do think the Leafs are going to be shopping for a middle six winger. Maybe if they're going to go big, big for a centerman, but like, you know, I don't know, even if it's not Timo Meyer, if it's a barbershop, if it's somebody else, like, they may look a little differently, you know, come playoff time, and maybe then we can expect more offense from a third line in the playoffs. We're chatting with Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. Um, so, Johnny, I'm curious about this game on, on Wednesday, right? We're, we're talking about the playoffs. Oh, Currently, Leafs only nine back. No, they're 11 back of Boston, but they could be yeah. within nine if they win this uh-huh. game on Wednesday. Uh-huh. If they do this with Boston uh-huh. dropping three straight, is Here there still go. hope for a division race here, Johnny? 
Not a chance. Not a chance in hell. No. No, there's no chance. So they, even if they win, so they're nine, Boston has a game in hand. Yeah. Um, like, so do you think that there's a good chance that the Ottawa Senators are going to leap over eight teams and catch whoever? Washington. <laughs> no. What? Ottawa's only nine back. Toronto's 11. Like, like to, Ottawa's closer to the playoffs than Toronto is to Boston. So, no. I mean, with, I mean, never say never. There's always a possibility. I guess I think the likelihood of the Bruins going on a real tumble. They have 80 points now, right? 81 points. Yeah. They have 31 games left. Quick math. They take me to 112 if they play 500 hockey. They're going to be bad. better than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, everyone's 500 in the NHL. And so they're going to be better than that. So I just think the numbers just, <laughs> yeah, it's almost impossible for the Leafs to go on that kind of run. So um, it is fun to get exciting. You see them lose three in a row, all of a sudden, like, oh, maybe they're vulnerable. <laughs> they have 81 points in 51 games. Like, like, I don't know about how vulnerable they are. Maybe their minds are turned towards the All Star break, whatever. But um, no, I mean, I think the more important race is not Boston, it's Tampa. Yeah. It's all about Tampa and not um, and trying to maintain home ice. And that race is very much on and worth noting and tracking and and paying attention to because I know the Leafs have lost Game 7s at home and they've lost Game 7s on the road. But you'd much rather be playing Tampa in Game 7 at home as opposed to in Tampa where I think the, the Bolts just ran off their, what, 12th straight win? So, like, I don't want to have to be down there trying to win a Game 7 uh, when they've been that good uh, in what's going to be basically a toss-up series anyways. Yeah. So that's the race that matters more so than trying to track down Boston. I, I've been having this conversation with a few people lately, and I think you guys are having this discussion, I think, on Overdrive on Friday, too, where you know the guys were almost saying, well, who cares about home ice? They've lost home ice the last couple of years. but I, I mean, care. It, it gives you a better chance to win. You, you could stay away from that Sorelli-Matthews matchup you could deploy. Like, I don't understand the mindset of people who say, well, it doesn't matter because they've lost before. It gives you a much better chance to win, though. And that's what the Maple Leafs need to do here in a Game 7. I don't. I don't like that thought process that's going around Leafs Nation right now. Well, I, I don't know. I think that might be just oh, leading that charge because <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like the Leafs have the, the fourth best record in the league at home right now. Mm-hmm. Um, their record is much better, as is just about not every team, but so, most teams is much better at home for a reason. Like yes, you might only be fractionally better at home on the, than on the road, even less so in the playoffs where travel is not an issue because travel is a big part of, of the home record advantage during the regular season. But I still want every little snippet of advantage that I can get. I want it. Right. And if that mean, and, and of course, home ice is, a, is, is not even a little one. That's about as big as you can almost have going up against Tampa, what's going to be a very difficult series. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not buying what O's down there. I'm not buying if they think that the that home ice isn't important because I think it, I think it is. And I think it, you know, if they get game seven, they would much rather be at home than on, than on the road for that first round. Sensible man, Johnny, real sensible man. Well, <laughs> I agree with you. I'm not so sure, but we'll take it. <laughs> that seems like a very, very backhand compliment there. But I'll take yeah. it. I'll take it. Kind of like, kind of like when Gretz told you, if he had skill like you, he'd be able to score. I mean, did I mean, you take that as a compliment or not? Because the way I looked at it, I was like, well, if Johnny did have that skill. He didn't score as man's Gretzky. Was he calling you a lazy player? Um, I think he would. I think what he was saying was just my skills. My skills would have been very transferable to '82. <laughs> <laughs> if I played in 1982, I could have been a 50 goal scorer. Uh, uh, no, Gretz was being nice. 
because he knew I was on the broadcast. Um, yes, Rex was fun to have as a coach. He <laughs> he never told me anything remotely like that uh, because that would have been wrong. As uh, as I kind of was chuckling, I'm like, yeah, I wish I had anything remotely like your skill, but. Um, yeah, all good. And always good to get Gretz. Like, Gretz, the funny thing was, that was unplanned. Like, he just popped into the booth to say had a gourd. And then funny. we're going to put him on camera, just like, hey, Gretz is in the building, whatever. That's always cool to see Wayne. And then, and then they put the headset on him, and then he just wanted to do color. Like, I, I took the last <laughs> eight minutes of the first period off. Like, That's oh, awesome. Gretz, like, he didn't go anywhere. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to say anything. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say when they can listen to Wayne Gretzky. So, yeah, have at it, Wayne. Take, take the whole period. Fine with me. So, uh, I appreciate him giving me, uh, you know, seven, eight minutes off there in the first. Yeah, it was perfect, too, with Ovi in the building, got to talk about the yeah. gold chase. Like, it honestly yeah. was, was kind of perfect Maybe he didn't have a have fancy him. fur jacket the way that Drake did when he hopped on with uh, Jack and Liam. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. but it's still different pretty vibe, cool. Different vibe. <laughs> but, but I've got to say, it wouldn't be the first time he took me on the bench for seven minutes. So. Right, nice. <laughs> nice one. Uh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, appreciate the time, as always, MJ. We'll chat again next week, pal. All right, squad. Have a good week. All right. There he goes. Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. Yeah, it was cool to have Gretz on there. Like I said, it was, it was just like a perfect game, too. Got to talk about his thoughts on OV chasing down the record. And I thought what he had to say was actually pretty cool, where he referenced, you know, back when he was chasing down the goal record and how gracious um, Mr. Hockey was, Gordy Howe, yeah. about the potential of him beating that record. And, and you know, he said, I, I want to be the same way. You know, it's, it's, it's great. Records are meant to be broken, right? So, and I think OV There's so it. many Gretzky records that are going to wind up just oh, sitting there in the no cobwebs. No Nobody's going to touch them. Oh, I'm sure he's like, thank God, hey, no. God, at least I'll get to hand one of these puppies over. The <laughs> most insane statistic in hockey circles is the fact that if Wayne Gretzky never scored a goal in yeah. his entire NHL career... He still would have the most points out of anybody who ever played the game. Oh, by the way, he has more goals than anybody else who played the game as well. Like, it's just insane what that guy did. And it was cool to have him on the TSM broadcast last night to, uh, to talk about that. Uh, well, what's now turning into like a historic goal chase. Yeah. Right? Like, history will be made at some point in the next few years. And uh, Ovi might do it sooner than we all anticipated because he just keeps going. It's absolutely uh, incredible what he's been able to do. All right. Well, we haven't had a chance to dive deep into this game from last night yet. So why don't we do that on the other side? We've got Stay or Go coming up. And then Devontae Smith-Pelly going to join us in studio in the 1 o'clock hour. Now we're going to be joined by Matt Berlin. Does that name sound familiar to you? Checked into a game this weekend as an e-bug for the Oilers. So pretty sweet that he's going to join us at about 1.30. So fun show coming up. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashera. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out of here. No, you stay here. You got to get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. So we welcome you back into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tashiri and Mike DeStefano here. Following a very eventful weekend for your Toronto Maple Leafs, a 5-1 win over the Washington Capitals last night. 
uh, in that fun little 5 o'clock start Sunday game coming off the heels of a little bit of a tumultuous Friday game. Yeah. Versus, it's always tumultuous versus the it. Ottawa Senators. It's the Senators and the Habs and they're, the Buffalo they, gosh darn Sabres. And the Coyotes. Always give them fits. Always give them fits. And like we were talking about it with... Um, it's not a secret. Friday. Yeah. Meth. We had yeah. Mark Mathot on and it's like I'm lo- I was looking at I'm like... Seven of these last like nine games, or five of the last seven times that these two teams have played each other, they've been one goal games. Yeah. They're always tight, dis- despite the talent discrepancy. This one wasn't one of those. It was definitely not a tight game. The Senators ran away with it, but it's like, why? Why do the Leafs always struggle to put this team away? They really should be able to dominate them on a consistent basis, just considering, you know, you look at the two lineups on paper, and it just doesn't happen. It's, yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Really they play is. quick and speedy, and it's... They lean I don't on you. understand they're, it. They're, a, they're a, a physical, pesky team. And it just kind of gives Toronto fits. And then the, the whole Matt Murray thing, I think, had to have been in, in people's minds throughout the game. Like, it's it was a slow start. Yeah. Like, legitimately, before I could even put the TV on to, to watch the game, it was already one nothing. It was like, just like that, boom. Right. Oh, they were down like a minute into the game. It was insane. Yeah. It, it was so. a very dramatic um, lead up to the game, too, because. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're seeing the tweets come out. Oh, my goodness. Matt Murray not listed as the starter. Matt Murray on the bench. It was just a lot of drama. It was a lot of drama. I, and, and the game resulted in just a garbage caca as a result of all the nonsense. I legitimately thought someone was pulling my leg. Like, so I had a buddy text me, and he's like, Murray's not playing. Like, Samsonov is listed as a starter. And I'm like, you're joking. And I go to look online. I don't see anything yet. And then, like, 30 seconds later... The feed starts to flood in yes. on Twitter about Matt Murray not playing tonight, and all Being of a sudden, on the Ilya bench, Samsonov. It was so befuddling. Like, well, he was on the bench, but then afterwards, Keith said if there were an injury, he wouldn't have been able to go. So what? We'd have had to have Matt Berlin fly into Toronto for the game, and yeah. and be the e bug. Like I, I don't. There, there would have had to been an e bug if Samsonov went down because yeah. he wasn't able to play. According to Sheldon Keith. So we've heard about the high ankle. Sorry, not high ankle. I was thinking about the football game last night. Not a high ankle sprain. Let's be clear about that. But something going <laughs> well, on be. with the know. ankle. Could be. Uh, allegedly coming out of Leafs camp is, is what Sheldon Keith said yesterday. Um, that's my go, by the way. Like we're talking about ghosts on the weekend. Like Murray pulling the pin. That's, yeah. He, so that happened earlier this season. It was also versus the Ottawa Senators to remind others what yeah. happened. And I was working a. CHL game with Cheryl Pounder on Friday night, yeah. and she told me that she was working a Senators game last year, and this, he was supposed to go versus the Penguins the and cold shoot. Yeah, he did this multiple times last year, not just that one game. I remember. I wasn't tracking it last year because he was not on well, our. There was radio, a game against the Maple Leafs. Yeah. A game against Maple Leafs. He was supposed to start, and then same thing. Something tweaked something in warm up, and then Joey Decord had to come in and play. And he ended up winning that, that game. So opposite of what happened with Samson. Okay. The court was ready to go. It was his first game. He gave a great interview afterwards. That's why I remember it so well. It may have even been the the, the bubble year, actually, that, that oh. this occurred. Like, I think it was a couple of years ago. But I remember that happening very vividly. And then last year, like you said, there was a game against his old team in Pittsburgh where, you know, all of a sudden he just he something happened in in warmups and he couldn't go. Yeah. So then Jari had or uh, Forsberg probably had to had to make the start and. Game two of the season. Yeah. So I did issue the uh, apology publicly on Twitter, but I'll 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 (laughs) reiterate my public apology to you 
Um, I'm sorry for calling you a hater for saying that he was going to pull shoot. Look, I it hate that I was right. Ridiculous I at hate, that point that I, it, it was even a case. He had I, made it through morning skate. All was good. But we'd seen it before. We'd made it through morning skate, and he still didn't play. Like that decor game, the Pittsburgh game that Cheryl referenced. Yeah. Like I remember there being a couple games here where morning skate meant nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. Sometimes it's later in the day that 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 this happens with with Matt Murray. And it happened again. A, a little bit of a flare up of that ankle, and all of a sudden he, he couldn't play. So uh, if we're talking goes, like let's not let that become a thing. Like it, it already is, which is the, the the sad part. Like this is what he's known for at this point in his career. Well, the good news is he's never played for Tampa. He's never played for Boston, and he's never played. I'm just thinking of like their good? path to the. Uh, because it seems to be against teams that he's played for that he pulls shoot against, gotcha. and they're not on his path gotcha. to the Stanley Cup. So gotcha. that is a promising sign in all of this. That's a very glass half full. Thank you so much. It's Monday, and we have to do what we can. Yeah, positive Monday. Uh, um, the other go, I guess we'll stay on those. Like, never again. Every time, I'll, I'll make this my go for as long as we have Sunday games during the NFL season. Oh, yeah. But during a championship weekend, what are you doing? Yeah, I was even having a hard time with that. Championship weekend, and I got to sit here and dual screen it. It's just, it's 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 nonsense. I know. Be uh, better, schedule makers. Be better. Uh, Sheldon Keefe had some nice things to say about Holmberg after he was demoted following that uh, that Friday game. Yeah, tough game for him. Not his best, not a position he's used to being in. We said earlier it's good that they're experimenting with him in different positions, and Sheldon Keefe reiterated it's it's not like they're not going to try him there again. Uh, uh, he's still a reliable player, but probably go to him as your 2C. Yeah. They f- I would imagine, I would imagine they found some mistakes in the tape on Friday. Very shocking. I would imagine there were some mistakes there. Yeah. yeah. Um, stays, A.B.? Uh, yeah, I mean, let's go back to last night's game. Like, I, I thought, again, big time, big play Pierre. Making a big play. Like that was a rip. Like that, that, that was that a was rip, a rip. But but just to, to find that open space, to, to get that shot off, right? Like able to walk around like just keep skating, protects the puck, walks around the defender, and then able to find some space and shoots it up top and just rips it. But you know, you look at the, the underlying numbers, eighty percent expected goals last night on the third uh, on the third pair. Like he's winning puck battles consistently, keeping plays alive in the O zone, he's disrupting things defensively with his stick. Uh, his exits and entries have always been among the tops in the in the league, um, and definitely with Toronto. I mean, you look at it last night: nine zone exits, six zone entries. Like he just is really good at transporting the puck from one end to the other. And you could see that last night, and 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 another really good play that he made. Willie didn't finish on it, but that nice yeah. sauce pass he made over to Nylander for the kind of backhand uh, shot off the breakaway. Like that was a really good play that he made to to Willie. And unfortunately, again, he didn't finish on it. But it's like okay. Hey, that's there's there's some skill level there, some real skill level, and I think Sheldon Keefe uh, was talking about this yesterday, saying how you know the last 15 or so games, Zengvall is starting to come into his own. He's starting to play to the level that he played a, a year ago, and you know if you recall, he missed the first bit of training camp this year with a foot injury. Yeah. So I don't know if it, if the first half of the season he was still impacted by that, but it seems like since the new year, in particular since Christmas, he's really starting to get going here and. Uh, you know, starting to find some confidence and find, uh, you know, starting to shoot the puck a little bit more, and he's finding some success. So Pierre Engvall, uh, you know, that, that can stay. Big play, Pierre. Big time stay. How much of a difference would it make, do you think, for this Leafs team if he could find some consistency and, and 
end up being more effective in the postseason, like effective the way that he was last night. Big time. Like if that's the if if the level of game that he brought last night can if you can get that for seven games in a postseason, yeah, you'll you'll one hundred percent take that. Like just in both ends, right? Defensively and offensively. I mean, hey, he scored a goal. You'll obviously take a goal at some point. But even just the way that he was protecting the puck and the way that he was able to bring it into the offensive end and set things up, like I just think Pierre Engvall, again, like I think I gave him the vibe last yeah, week. Yeah, you did. And again, it's just because he's a very well detailed player. He's not a guy who's going to run you. A lot of people want to see. We've been Pierre, learned that Pierang ball run people over. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But he can do the little things, and it contributes in in a subtle way. And oftentimes, if he's on his A game, that's a lot better for the Maple Leafs, and they win more games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that Riley Brody pairing being back together mm-hmm. is fairly magical. Let, let's hear what Morgan Riley had to say about finally getting off the shine and getting into the goals column yesterday. <laughs> just just relief, that's all. Uh, it felt good. Got some good karma yesterday uh, from Easter Seals. Uh, so I was, was out there with those guys a lot and smiling, and, uh, you know, I think that's what it was. You made a good on your promise to them. Yeah, and well, I, I wouldn't call it a promise. It was more of a, a hopeful guess, but, <laughs> but uh, that's about it. It was a hopeful guess and a good one, a very good one. But, I mean, you know, I know MJ wasn't into it. Got to be something to feeling a little bit more comfortable with who's next to you and being a able to hop in a, yeah a I, I i think like again mj mj played like he's got yeah. that experience he's got a much better analyzing eye than i do but i you know the the thing that i was trying to get there was we haven't seen riley put the puck in the back of the net and last night he saw an opportunity he jumped on it and he converted maybe he like again it's not something that was on my radar until it happened but was he not as likely to be jumping in on those opportunities to be pinching in on those opportunities when Lilligren or Rye or Hall was was his D partners yeah. like you know I'd have to go and look at the tape to really decipher that but it's just a thought that went through my mind like okay one game back with Brody and all of a sudden like now he's jumping up into the rush and he's doing all these things again and, and looks like the Morgan Riley of old. It can't just be a coincidence. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Uh, well, we'll see, I guess. there's Hopefully Brody can stay healthy and we can get a long run of these two and they can get back to being a, a top pair because like four, over 14 minutes last night, those two played at 5-on-5, five five, an 11-4 shot share on the ice for a couple of goals. Didn't give up a single high danger chance as well while they were out there with an 80% expected goal. So, um, you know, that pairing clearly was the elite pair that they've that we've come to, to know and love from them. And uh, let's hope that, again, they can stay healthy and we could see this flourish throughout the rest of the rest of the way. And it just really, maybe we can get into this, but I feel like it, it rounds out the defense in terms of the deep pairings. Everything just seems to fall into place. Why don't we pick up on that on the other side, potentially, uh, or we can get into it with Devontae Smith-Pell, who's going to join us at, uh, at, at uh, 1 o'clock, going to join us here in studio. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. My bad habits lead to late nights and in alone. Conversations with a stranger I barely know. Swearing the sober. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tasheri and Mike DeStefano. We're going to be joined by Devontae Smith Pelly. In a few minutes, in person, Matt Berlin will join us a little bit later, chat about his 
e-bug experience last night uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, a city that's uh, both traumatized and and famous I, for its e-bug. Well, just goalies in general. I, yeah. I'm curious. Like, I got to know what was going through his head when they're like, hey, kid, get in there. Yeah, I saw some discourse this morning. Uh, like one of the Chicago reporters tweeted this morning and, and had to clarify, I think, saying that uh, just so everyone knows, I've spoken to a lot of people in the organization. Absolutely no one was offended by because there was a notion, you know, just like people online being angry, saying, wow, what a slap in the face of the Blackhawks. They put their e-bug in just because they could. And, just for funsies. Yeah. It was, just for funsies. It was great. They were up. <laughs> they could win the game and they gave uh, Matt Berlin uh. the experience of a lifetime. No, and he's no sniff of a goalie either at a. At a, the UAB, right? Yeah. University of Alberta. What's it? You know what his numbers are there? Actually, now we bring it up. I'm curious yeah. what his numbers might be. But he like, only played five games this year. Eight ninety two. Like it doesn't seem like he's their starter or anything. But still, I mean, like just a really cool situation to yeah. be sitting played on in the, the WHL. Bench. Like he's pretty good. Well, it's just a, a situation where you know ahead of the game Stuart Stuart Skinner dealing with a little bit of an illness and like okay well we have an e-bug as our backup luckily Jack Campbell doesn't get hurt Jack Campbell plays decently and the team played great they they end up winning at 7-3 so it was with 2 minutes and 26 seconds so it wasn't even like 30 seconds there was like 2.5 minutes there but comfortably for those who missed it and then they were just like Let's let this kid go in and play. Awesome. Just give him an experience of a lifetime. Apparently, it was Connor McDavid that, that kick-started really? the effort to get him between the pipes. This is like a real-life Rudy situation. Oh, yeah, is, That reminds is. me of, like, Rudy but hockey version. Yeah. Where it's like the captain just started the Rudy chant, and you got Connor McDavid probably sitting there. He's like, Berlin, 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 Berlin. And all of a sudden, you know, Woodcroft is like, Get in there, man. Yeah, because we'll have go. to ask him. Like, I wonder if he's around. Because the Leafs always have a U Sports goalie kicking around, it yeah. seems. Like, I wonder yeah. what his relationship is like if he's a guy that practices pretty often and, and knows them fairly well. Yeah, that's a good know. point. That's a good point. He's someone who's there and, and, you know, you just gains respect. you got to think of the game respect from players. Yeah. Right? Like, those guys who do come in and they're just practice bodies in a way, especially goaltenders, right? Like, I know that we often, like when we're down at morning skate, when there isn't uh, a morning, let's say, where Murray's expected to start, which we might not see for a little while, they usually have that U of T goalie there because they want two two tendies yeah. in practice, right? So they have to go and say, hey, Murray's not going to be at morning skate. Like, do you want to come and just, you know, take on some shots from guys? And lo and behold, it's exactly what I, actually, I was. I was having a conversation with, was it with Jimmy Ralph? recently and he said that he used to go and do some uh really yeah he used to go and just like take shots at, at like least practice that back in the early 2000s it's crazy yeah, like, it, happens, that. it happens more often than you think that like non-nhl goaltenders are at well NHL specifically practices. i found myself don't ask but i found myself deep in the U sports rule book at one point this weekend okay again i said don't ask and uh, th- there's a clause because there's lots of rules with U sports about eligibility and stuff and if you play one game as a pro you're technically supposed to be ineligible to play to compete in youth sports for a year. Really? But there's a whole clause. Yeah, like guys who go play a year in Europe have to sit out yeah. and redshirt a year. Okay. Or play in the East Coast, have to redshirt 365 
days and until they can they're eligible again. But there's a specific clause in the U Sports rules for goalies so that it's they can yeah play as an e bug or, or play one one game professionally. So when I mean we the most infamous e bug situation clearly was the Toronto one, right? Like yeah. that, that was oh, I'm I blanking on on his name. This is. Awful. Uh, 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 David Ayers. David Ayers, thank you. I was thinking David of Alex Ayers. Bishop, that kid they had recently out there. Right. Well, yeah, last year when he backed up and they yeah. didn't have, they had to, yeah. But yeah, so David Ayers is clearly the most infamous e-bug situation. Like, they're literally making a Disney movie about that, I think. Um, but I remember hearing afterwards that the players, like, emptied their pockets and gave him all of the money that they had in, that was literally in the locker room, ended up with him that he was able to take home. I wonder if that happens here with, with Berlin. Like, totally different situation. Yeah. But I wonder if they were like, let's go, buddy. You you had a 1,000 save percentage in this game. Only faced one shot, I might add. But still, he faced one shot, and he stopped it. And yep. he, has, he has a save percentage of 1,000 in a National Hockey League game. I wonder if they kind of emptied the emptied the pockets for him, or if he got the water. Who the bath shot him off of too? I, I Caleb at who it was. Jones. Okay. Caleb nice. Jones got the shot, which okay. funny enough, former Oiler. Wow. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of a, a cool story. So he's going to join us, um, and uh, at what twelve one thirty one thirty, so about a half hour or so, so we can get the behind the scenes of what happened. How he ended up getting in there, what his mind was like, if he got the shower, the money, exactly what happened with uh, with Matt Berlin. But really, really cool story over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, he'll join us in a little bit, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But coming up on the other side, Devontae Smith-Pelly, former NHLer. He's been in a lot of NHL games. He's been in some big NHL games. Stanley Cup champion with the Washington Capitals. He'll join us in studio on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Lee Lunch here on TSN 1050.